Greetings. <laughs> really just started there. Yes, yes, that's how that's Ugh. how it goes. Uh, yes, ignore all the random noise as we shift into our comfortable <laughs> talking positions. Yeah. Can we grab the mouse? Uh, no, we, we, it's fine. Actually, you're right. I should probably do that so I don't have to get up to stop it at some point. Oh, I was leaving that up so we could look at the prompts, but, um, okay. It's like a one sentence. <laughs> yeah, and I We're guarantee... just gonna do one. Okay, fine, fine. Today, the random one sentence prompt I wrote, like, a minute ago. <laughs> a literal minute said, ago. Yeah, that sounds like fun to talk about. Is things we personally like and dislike in books and that's super vague should have enough stuff for us to talk about yeah uh, this is probably mainly going to lean towards the like tropes and stuff or just yeah commonalities or maybe even like writing styles i don't know yeah plot points any pretty much anything that you hate <clears throat> um we should save romance related things because <laughs> i at least i don't know about you i at least have very particular set of things i look for in romance books and especially in subplots that are romance i don't know if i have specific things i look for or it, for anything in, in that matter it's just like i know what i don't want <laughs> That's true. The things that I look for because I want to be angry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I think one thing I'll start off with completely the opposite of what the actual prompt is. Something that doesn't bother me as much as it appears to bother other people is I don't actually mind plot inconsistencies unless, I mean... This is dangerous. <laughs> when you say plot inconsistencies, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, more I mean like little things. Like I'm very willing to overlook things that seem to bother people, especially in movies. Like the fact that in The Minds of Moria and Lord of the Rings, the cave troll walks into sunlight but doesn't turn into stone. See? <laughs> Does he walk into sunlight though? I... They're underground. Yeah, but there is a beam of sunlight. That's true. You... Uh, which has always confused me because how far underground <laughs> did they go? I was the last thing I would pro possibly think of in that scene. I'm like, wow, that thing's so cool. Oh no, it's killing Frodo. Yeah, no, I actually literally <laughs> just read about that this morning. Nice. <laughs> so I didn't even ever think about that. And then apparently somebody got butthurt about it. So Of course, some Tolkien head got butthurt about it. If you're a Tolkien head, you're not a fan of mine. Get out right now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Lord of the Rings is freaking. <laughs> oh yeah, great. absolutely. Tolkien, Granddaddy Tolkien. He can do any. He can do anything he wants. But like, I'm talking. He practically invented modern fantasy. Genre. Oh yeah. He. I mean, like him and D and D. Those two like <laughs> yeah. completely make up what yeah. people think of as. Fantasy. I mean, D and D's based on Tolkien. Before Tolkien, it was not really there wasn't really a fantasy genre there was still fantasy existed but it wasn't called fantasy i don't think it i was... feel like at that point it was more just like the mythology yeah it was just mythologies he kind of accumulated um english mythology and english lore but i'm talking about like the 
crazy Tolkien people yeah, that I like know, to argue on the internet about all they figure they spent 50 hours reading the Silmarillion, so they might as well <laughs> use their Silmarillion knowledge to dunk on people on the internet. I've, I literally need to go back and read Lord of the Rings. I got like 50 pages into the first book, and then that was, I don't know how young I was, but yeah. long enough ago that I got 50 pages in, I'm like, and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I tried to read it once, but I probably, I got even less than that. I read The Hobbit. I really liked The Hobbit, and then I started really? reading Lord of the Rings, and it wasn't interesting. I heard so I people say The Hobbit was so much more boring. Really? Oh, I like The Hobbit. Because, at least from what I heard, The Hobbit is just, like, so travel-intensive that people are, like... Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more of a kid's story. Like, a story for kids, not, like... Really? Like, it's a... Yeah. It's written that way, too, so that's probably why it was more interesting to me as a kid. It's its own thing. It's not, like, the prequel to Lord of the Rings as much, much as it's its own thing, in my opinion. Huh. I've I've never even... I've seen the first Hobbit movie, but besides that, that's like, (laughs) that's all I've got for the Hobbit. You've seen the animated one though, right? I'm pretty sure we watched it in school. Yeah, in one time in elementary school, but, um, I mean like, why did we watch that? I don't know, (laughs) but the only thing, yeah, probably. probably. The only thing I remember about it was the moment he meets Gollum. Yeah. God bless substitute teachers. (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) Oh, so many good substitute teachers. So good. Yep. What was I on about? Um, well, <laughs> you were roasting oh, yeah, Tolkien ro- heads. I was roasting but, Tolkien heads. But anyway, we were you, you were just talking about plot inconsistencies that don't yeah, bother you. it just small things don't bother me. Obviously, there's things that I can't stomach either, right? Like if you have a well-defined rule in your universe that you break, then it's kind of dumb. Or if you whip out a power that's inconsistently scaled, that solves all the problems, then it's done. Like in Star Wars, in the I don't even remember what the new ones are called because I hated all of them. Yeah, the new. I didn't trilogy. hate all of them. The I disliked trilogy. all of them. The Rise of Skywalker. She's got magic force healing powers. Spoilers for those of you who haven't watched Star I Wars. I haven't even watched. They came the Rise out. Of Skywalker. <laughs> came out two years ago honestly just watch it it's got palpatine being palpatine and that alone is worth at least a lot <laughs> one watch you get an unlimited power in there and your life really? is better for a few seconds does he actually say unlimited power? i'm i'm 90 sure he actually says oh unlimited power <laughs> unlimited power <laughs> but yeah just magic force healing abilities and it's been memed to death on the internet or the inner parts of the internet that like Star Wars at least. That's like, oh well, all these other Jedi could they were they just bad and couldn't use force healing, and so they just let all their friends die instead of healing them because they're terrible people. The answer is no. Yeah, it's <laughs> they needed force healing for the plot later in the story, so they just randomly threw it in, even though they didn't need it anyway. Uh, the, the real thing is that just the writers just wanted to one-up all the previous movies yeah. for some reason. Like, oh no, our character's better. Yeah. <laughs> the, ch- the real chosen one. Yeah. 
I mean, it's hard to say that like it's just a bad thing to do that kind of thing. Healing abilities are trickier because then it does introduce like why couldn't we use healing abilities before? Like when you bring a character back from the dead, why doesn't every other character get brought back from the dead? You Which to... I think actually is a thing that a lot of a problem that a lot of stories run into. The moment you bring a character back from the dead, you lose all validity. Yeah. It, people talk all the time about how Game of Thrones gained a lot of its early popularity because they were willing to kill off a major character before, you know, their char character arc was complete. And you haven't watched Game of Thrones. Heck no. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. But we both know <laughs> exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Like what I'm talking about. Because... Supposedly, like, I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard once that in an interview one of the actors said that when they first got hired on, they filmed every actor's death scene ahead of time, so if they ever gave the producers trouble, they could just kill them. <laughs> <laughs> that seems... I don't know if I believe that, but it is um, emblematic of the kind of show that they're going for, Yeah. right? Even if it is false, it still has like a nugget of truth in there. Yeah, that's like, the kind I of show they wouldn't be for, surprised, honestly, of where anyone can die. But as soon as you're willing to bring someone back from the dead, it does remove your stakes a little bit. And you know, that's <clears throat> that's something I personally. Oh crap! How do how do I word this? Like, I've I've toyed with that that line before. No, I wouldn't even necessarily say line. Like, I try to go into my stories with the impression that, I mean, obviously, in some cases, you know there are going to be pe certain people that don't die, just because like, uh -huh. the story literally wouldn't work without them. Yeah. But overall, especially in my fantasy universe, I want to give people the idea that really no one is safe. Yep. Plot like, armor's not a thing. You, or you, you want to keep it subtle. Because it's yeah. always a thing, because you always have... Like you're saying, characters that are going to stay alive the whole time. And if they're doing dangerous things, then they're going to have some level of plot armor. Mm-hmm. But it's like, the one time I have implemented an idea of, like, you know, resurrection, bringing someone back from the dead, like... Yeah. I, I very much... Let's just say the whole story is based around the character trying to do that. Ah, I suddenly have... It's clicked in my mind. I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. That's personally my favorite story of yours. Really? That I'm most excited for. Because I love their dynamic. Uh, it reminds me of... We'll probably get into this at some point. John and Sarah and an Unordinary. Yeah. Another of the few media that we both are very obsessed with at the same time you're welcome <laughs> thank you very much that <laughs> moment when i literally spoiled <laughs> him about the whole thing up to the point it was at <laughs> yeah we're here for the tangents i'll go on the tangent Unordinary is a web comic which i was not into web comics at the time i am now because of Unordinary. but phoenix was telling me he was just talking were you even talking about that one i think you were talking about hardcore leveling warrior and we just started talking about web comics and you said hey here's one that you might like i don't think i i don't know what we were talking about i might have mentioned hardcore leveling warrior 
but I don't think I even necessarily like said you might like it. I think I was just like super hyped about the reading I had done at that point. Yeah. And then just like, <laughs> and then just started talking about it. I'm like, it's really cool. Yeah. Like, trust me. And then I'm like, eh, you're not going to read it. I'll just tell you everything. <laughs> oh, it's even funnier. It's, I was so unconvinced that I could ever read a webcomic. I was thoroughly unimpressed. I was like, it's just not me. I'm not a comic guy. Webcomics even more niche. And so I was, I normally don't like spoilers, but I was so convinced that I wasn't going to read this. He gave me like the premise. I'm like, it sounds interesting, but like, eh, it's like, but this thing just happened. And let me explain everything that happened before to give you a little bit of context. So we're we're playing smash like two or three hours later. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) okay, well, now that I know everything that happens, I'm going to go read it. And I went home the next day i read the entire thing in like one sitting yeah and here we are i literally i started (laughs) with the biggest plot twist of the story (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah uh this is your call to action go read an ordinary it's excellent it's free uh unless you want to fast unless you want to fast don't do that which it's just it's is, just a hole in your wall. It's, it's just a patience check. A, it, it's a like you you get past your impatience and then have to deal with patience for an extra three weeks if you don't want to keep the fast pass yeah. money sink going. Yeah, it just You you can skip like three weeks and then you you're back to having to wait a week. Like, yeah, that's you're it. Just, you're just back to having to wait a week. There's I would, really no point. I would say the point would be to support the writer well, yeah, I guess. monetarily, but honestly, there's just better avenues, probably through Patreon. I bet they take a smaller yeah, cut. Patreon. Than... I, I know Uruchan has, like, merch. Yeah, merch. I honestly would be interested to find which of those three takes the smallest cut so you would actually be contributing the most to her directly. Yeah. So if if you're just wanting to support the writer, then look at that. But we don't do that because we're poor. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I I have thought about it sometimes. I've thought about it every single week. <laughs> uh, this week especially was a okay. cliffhanger. Oh my! Gosh. When I saw Uruchan on Twitter though designing the the playing cards, I was like, oh. Oh yeah, I've definitely thought about those. Yeah. I might still I'm, get some. To be I honest. don't know why. I've more so thought about getting merch from Darby, but like, that's oh, like Uru that's, deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that Sherard doesn't, but I don't ordinary. I feel like we were on something. It, it was because <laughs> started talking. Of, I started talking about Visser. Oh then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were like yeah, the relationship. But between I'm right John though, right? Sarah. Yeah, the John yeah. Sarah dynamic, and I love it so much. It's so good. It's All right, hold on. Beautiful, and heartbreaking. <laughs> okay, <laughs> since the whole topic is things like we love and hate in stories, I'm gonna tell you something that, as hard as it is to read sometimes, I love what ordinary, uh, unordinary did, and that is, okay, this is going real quick into spoiler territory. <laughs> so it's literally in the title of the podcast. <laughs> oh no, this isn't. I'm not even talking about that, but. I'm talking about, like, the last three episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
go for it. But yeah, so if you haven't read it, just um, you'll probably spoilers forget. in three, <laughs> two, one. Okay, so <laughs> we are. What was I saying? Okay, anyway, <laughs> what I love that Unordinary did is after John's complete and utter mental breakdown and Sarah like bringing grounding him in reality, bringing him back. Yeah. I love that even after he went away and came back, he didn't change. Like, he's still extremely irritated with everyone. Yes. Absolutely. He's, he's just acting. I'm, I'm not in, like, the false personality acting. He changed his um, actions, not his attitude. Yes. I mean, I do believe he internalized some of the change, but... Yes. He, he is still outward, outwardly a very off-putting guy yeah now. he's controlling himself he's second guessing more so he has more time to think i'm not gonna go get in fights i'm not gonna mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like a whole 180 the grinch heart grew three yeah. sizes <laughs> and yeah. that's what i love because i feel like that's so much more realistic mm -hmm. it's so hard for me to read sometimes it's like no john just you, be you good. were so you were so good before and but oh, yeah but like i just i love how I feel like that reflects reality. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they would manage this, but spoilers are over. Um, <laughs> I, like, how are you going to find the spoilers are over? Anyway. That's a, one on the anyway counter, by the way. <laughs> oh, well. Going into things related, things that I like, is a good corruption arc. Ooh. I... You're right. It's getting more common, I think, but... I just love a good corruption arc. Okay, you, you wrote it down as an entirely separate prompt, but I don't know if we can avoid it with this. Nah, just go into it. <laughs> Darkstalker. Darkstalker, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, we still need our full Darkstalker simping episode. Alright, in that case... This is a... This is a... This is a... This is foreshadowing. <laughs> That's all you get, Darkstalker. Take notes, everybody. This is how you foreshadow. Darkstalker excellent corruption arc and I, I feel like he's a good unique case because he's not even corrupted by outside forces he literally corrupts himself yeah it's so good oh oh dark stalker episode read wings of fire this is your second thing you need to read i hope you have like a two weeks Ugh, we two assign weeks. homework here i hope you have a month filled with weekends where you're doing nothing because read unordinary then read wings of fire which we'll probably also talk about Wings of Fire in the future. Yeah. But most specifically, Darkstalker. <laughs> oh, yeah. But corruption arcs. Uh, honestly, I don't... I can't think of, like, another one off the top of my head that I actually just love. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you start talking, I might get a little, like, idea in my head, but... Yeah, um... I'm trying to think of things, what media pieces we have in common. Uh, we could go back to John. We never really contextualized him in the corruption arc. True. He definitely does not corrupt himself. <laughs> no. He kind of does. Okay. In terms of he has, like, depression Actually. spiraling and self-hatred spirals. But Actually. that's also just part of him being super real and... Tra tragically real i guess <laughs> hold on. i think you could argue that john did corrupt himself and you know in his middle school years like that's because he got so power hungry and 
but even then, even vengeful, mm, you could say. Uh, like I think it's he went off the though. rail his himself, and then yeah, well, you could say he pulled himself back, but the story seems to imply he was like almost abused into obedience and goodness. Yeah, and then ultimately yeah. Arlo was the one who just like ripped that. Yeah, cloak he off. definitely brought it back. I think. I would be hesitant to say he corrupted himself. Like, I can see where you're coming from. But I think the story has just such strong themes of, like, man versus society. It's just the society he you're grows right. up in is so bad for his very specific situation. Like, it hurts people with little power, and it hurts people with a lot of power. But his transition from having no power to having all the power is like a very unique case. <laughs> Quite literally all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if he wants uh, it. Little unordinary joke for our unordinary fans. Um, he, it's just like, that doesn't happen very often. It says it in the story. That it doesn't happen very often. And it's uniquely screws with him and his family situation as well. It's just like a perfect storm to ruin his life in the most yeah. awful tragic way possible and and wonderful i was like yeah and but just like what makes it even worse for him is not only does it ruin his like social dynamic and stuff like that but like the government does not like those kinds of people in that series because the what are they called late bloomers yeah because they they pose such a threat to the power system in the sense that it's how do you say because they know what it's like at the bottom. That's how they grew up. Yeah. So when they suddenly have the power of the top, it it completely throws off the balance because they still have the mindset of the bottom. Yeah. I keep giving context after we've talked about a thing. <laughs> I figure we should give a little context. The society in Unordinary is a very, very rigid hierarchical structure. Think like a caste system of essentially it's a super powered society so everyone has superpowers some of them are extremely powerful and some of them are just like you know about average person plus they have like a, they can shoot little hand hands or something yeah. <laughs> like pretty much a normal person to they are untouchable by anybody even other superpowered people and like, the structure is based on how much power do you have how and not just, like, how powerful are you, but, like, how powerful are you, are you in a combat situation? There's very few utility powers in this universe, right? Yeah. And, I mean, if you do have a utility power, that automatically puts you on their low tiers. Yeah, usually they're low tiers, but sometimes... Yeah, sometimes. They're, like, so useful that they get kind of co-opted as, like, a to like that guy that can teleport like that's not useful in a fight because it wears him out so much yeah but it's so useful for what his specific line of work is or like the um the lie detector the lie detector yeah that would be such a terrible power <laughs> in know, this right? universe you would get bullied so hard you would but at the same <laughs> time you know you always have a job yeah. <laughs> and this society is since it's based on power it's very violent and very hey, I'm stronger than you, so I'm going to beat you up, and that makes me right. Like, might makes right. Yeah. It's the rule of, like, the rule of the jungle. Yeah, and it's like, this is perfectly accepted even by the, the like, I, I don't want to say rulers. What am I looking for? The authority of, even, like, in the school system, like, they're just, okay, fight it out. Yeah, they just let you fight it out. 
In fact, they encourage the hierarchical system because they have the designated king, queen, and jack in yeah, the school. That's how society's based. It's there to prepare you for society. The people at the top think it's right. The people at the bottom, they have never had their opinions respected. They've never had a say. Anytime they try and speak out, they get beaten down literally most times. So they just have come to accept that they don't get a say. Which is why the late bloomers are the threats. Yes, they have been put down, but now they have all this power. So now, you know, in John's case, he goes for a revenge angle, which is a very obvious and very human thing to do. I'm actually hoping that the story will introduce another late bloomer. It's something I've kind of wanted for a while. I've honestly never even considered that. (laughs) I've kind of wanted them to do it because I want to see a different reaction to the late bloomer thing like maybe someone who tries i guess they it wouldn't who, do this because that's sarah's thing but tries to be super perfect to like prove that they're better like they still have a inferior inferiority complex even uh, though they have their powers now i thought you were gonna say it was someone like someone who ends up being more like uh flip what's his name ray's brother yeah you mean, oh wait no that is his name <laughs> oh he is ray i meant to say remy yeah ray yes or yeah someone like who ray tries to make a difference or maybe just someone who's super aloof like they have all this power now and now they're like okay i'm at the top now so i don't have to try because they're used to having to be all conscious of everything they do and the society wants them with their powers to be like another enforcer right but they don't want to be an enforcer because they're like, that's bad. That hurts people. So they just kind of distance themselves and they don't want to cause any trouble. They don't want to be put down by people even yet more powerful than them. You know, I just want to see different reactions too. I think that could be really interesting. <clears throat> but that'll probably exist in the realm of fan fiction. <laughs> I'm, what I'm super excited for, because I'm pretty confident they're going to do it at some point. But, like, I want to see the intricacies of, like... Because, obviously, you've got the god tiers. You know, Arlo, yeah, Sarah, John. People that can only contest each other, pretty much. Yeah. 99% of people in the government, as far as I understand this universe, are not god tiers. Yes. Which, so, based on their own organization, that would put these younger, more powerful people above them. Yes. So their only chance to control them is to brainwash them. Yes. So, like, oh, man, I'm just so excited to see, like... Or to kill them. Yeah, or to kill them. <laughs> In the case of the vigilantes. In Ember, yes. Ember, yeah. Um, so but, yeah, good. so that's, like, the only way they can do it. So I'm super curious to see, like, where it continues going with Sarah now that she actually does have a different mindset. She's just yep. managed to, for the most part, stay out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Excusing the one suspension. Yeah. Well. And then John's just full-blown out there, and they literally don't know how to control him. They managed to get, what's-his-face, the guy to reel him in once, and apparently John's still yep. scared of him. But it's terrified. Besides that, it's like Keon. they have no, yeah, Keon. They have no control over him. Yeah. They, they Like, that's been proven time and time again. But no one can actually do anything about him. 
the only time like they ever get what they want is if he submits. Yeah, he's only lost once. We'll go with that. But <laughs> if he gets more powerful, then like he would just be unstoppable. Except for yeah. like a very few specific people, the very few specific powers, which we haven't seen yet, other than the one time he's lost. But I guess we should move on unless we just want to make this the unordinary episode. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we probably should have written unordinary as a, <laughs> yeah. as a prompt. It'll come up more. It, yeah, it'll yeah. come up more. But, I think, okay, we had to talk about, like, the trails. We were bound to go into this. I can't believe neither of us thought of <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I wanted to include a Darkstalker episode just because I thought it would be interesting to have, like, a case study. And it would be more kind of focused than what, yeah. we're, what we're probably going to be doing most of the other times. And I just thought, it's so good, and I want to read it again. And that's going to be my excuse to read it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but dang. Yep. What I think is... that's good enough on corruption arcs. I can I think like, of a what few are more examples, things? like, but it's mostly small things, like, you know, side characters often get corruption arcs. It yeah. just, it's oh. interesting to me, Ashfro was one I was thinking of. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. From Warriors, for our Warriors people, there's way too much to get into to explain Ashfro, so I'm gonna keep it brief, but, like, he's a side character... He's a love interest and his corruption arc is so, it's not subtle. I'm not, I don't want to say it's subtle, but since he's a side character, then by the nature of him being a side character, you assume that he's just going to like blow off steam and like one scene and it'll be over. And that's what happens. <laughs> but it's, it a, escalated. it's a scene that seriously affects every single main character previous main characters it affects the entire society essentially yeah i was like it, with with the way uh crap what's her name i why am i forgetting holly holly leaf holly leaf yeah I, my dog's named holly so all i could think was holly <laughs> yeah. um but with the way holly leaf handles yes. that situation like oh, that good. literally just freaking yeah, hardcore affects all the clans to some degree. Yeah. So corruption Especially arcs, Wind and Thunder. Yeah, Corruption Arc's amazing when it's the main character, the perspective character especially. That would be so hard to do. I don't even know how people would do that. Like I would, not attempt, I would not attempt that. Yeah. But it's interesting there, and it's also, I think, almost better for in me personally to see a character, even if it's not someone you're the main character the perspective character is close to just to see them react to this person's kind of corruption so good yeah okay before we before we move on this this kind of falls under corruption and redemption at the same redemption, time oh, like a so full-blown corruption and redemption arc in one yo yeah i watched a video a few weeks ago probably a couple months ago now but um of why Boromir is one of the best characters Boromir. ever. Oh, one of, of the best. I'm sorry, Lord of the Rings human characters. Yeah, we're so going cool. back to Tolkien. Um, <laughs> but like, literally, you look oh. at it, and oh, he's he's so perfect in like a relatability aspect because you can understand him yes. so well because his corruption, his corruption arc, is driven by the like 
desire to protect. The desire to protect him. The societal pressure put on him, and especially yes. by his like his dad. father too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so he's like he's willing to go just about any length to you know do what he deems as righteous and like yep to help his country yeah which is normally a noble thing you know we like a good paragon who has you know unflinching moral values that they hold strong and it's just cool that i mean a lot of the times people don't think that a lot of villains are also paragons they have their own moral codes that they're unflinching from they just happen to be what we would think of as the yeah. wrong set of morals yeah. or selfish morals i refuse or... to go on a side tangent about this but it reminded me of a different video i watched about how thanos actually took thanos. A hero's i was journey. literally just thinking of thanos. a hero's journey <laughs> yeah. like he the villain took the hero's journey yep there's a lot of but good yeah. youtube videos about how thanos is the protagonist of uh, infinity war but obviously we don't want to add redundancies also we don't know as much as all those people that made videos do so yeah go watch those instead but Thanos, not i almost said cool dude he's not a cool dude (laughs) (laughs) good character very interesting villain but yeah very um well written but yeah like going back to boromir I just love like his it's even hard to call it corruption because he has the right heart for it yes or, or, I mean corrupted human but <laughs> like you know he has all the right intentions but you know road to hell is paved with good intentions yes but I love just like how he can recognize well not no okay I don't even know what I'm saying anymore but like he doesn't recognize that he's you know like being corrupted that he's going against the higher quest you could say yes um until he's like driven to the point of attacking frodo yep and then he realizes just like how far he's gone and he's Uh like i think his uh, own realization yes and then his instant decision to make up for it like yep oh normally i hate redemption equals death which is a trope where to redeem a character they have to die which technically he gets redeemed and also dies but i would argue that he didn't have to die to be redeemed he was redeemed he didn't need redeeming essentially he his heart was in the right place he was doing the right thing he just needed to be separated from the ring which is like Mm -hmm. corruption personified right yeah and but dang did he go out in the best way possible (laughs) he goes out in the best way possible this is movie version of course we didn't read the book as we already mentioned (laughs) i took an arrow to the knee so i stopped adventuring (laughs) i took two arrows to the chest and i'm still fighting (laughs) third arrow is too much never take three arrows that's what tolkien teaches you don't say fantasy isn't a learning experience (laughs) (laughs) ah so good what was I going to say about Boromir that I thought of? Oh, I was going to segue off of Boromir. Because he does a, he's a Lord of the Rings, of course, it's a good example of a lot of things. But it's a good, good example of another thing I really like, of having your characters have very different strengths and weaknesses. And we're all very familiar with, well, 
physical strengths look like, which is, it's kind of hard to do it differently, which is why I think a lot of my favorite characters aren't as physically strong because it's easy. It's more interesting to me. And I think there's more ways you can write like a, an emotionally strong person. So you compare Boromir and Frodo and Boromir, he's obviously a much better fighter. He's much stronger. He's much more capable at surviving out in the wild, but he gets corrupted by the ring so quickly. He doesn't even, he's not even holding, he's not the ring bearer. He, but he gets corrupted just being near it and just wanting it. Whereas Frodo also gets corrupted by the ring, but he makes it all the way to Mount Doom and its influence is growing stronger and stronger and it's wearing down on him. And I think the whole journey, I'm not sure because it's not as specific in the movie, but I think it takes like two years. Something like that. From Rivendell. And I mean, it makes sense. They walk the whole way. It's really far. But he's just putting up with it plaguing his mind that whole time yeah i mean and then i know at least in the movies like there are points where he you know he snaps and lashes out at people but yeah ultimately like he doesn't ever let it take him yes. over completely until like he physically mentally cannot resist it at mount doom anymore yeah and it's just really interesting because i would say they're both very strong characters obviously we see more of frodo so he's got more to talk about and I would say he's like the stronger character. We're just gonna have to put like a benchmark on it, but it's just really interesting. Um, we should do something we don't like now. <laughs> we talked a lot like. about good things. Uh, well, is it romance? Time? I was about to say first thing that came to my head is romance. <laughs> Forced romantic subplots. We've talked in the first episode. We talked about how. We had a side tangent about how we don't like some very specific romance things. Um, I don't think... Do you read romance? Like, just romance books? <laughs> no. Okay, I do, actually. Really? I, yes, I've read mostly classic romances. I've read a few more modern ones, I'm going to be honest. Um, it was a few years ago I read some. I had this thing where over the summer I read a ton of books... It was one of my book phases, but I would go to the library and I just didn't have, I was caught up in all my series. So I started pulling a random book off the shelf and reading it every trip I went on and I read <laughs> one romance. It was so bad. It was not good at all. And I probably wouldn't say what it was, even if I remembered <laughs> what it was called, but it was, oh, it was about this guy. It was about this girl that goes to high school, right? Because those are the only wow. people who can fall in love is high school <laughs> students. And this Italian apprentice of Leonardo da Vinci got sent back in time because da Vinci made a time machine with a few other apprentices. It was like an execution method in this in Italy or whatever. Obviously not really, just in the story. They, were, they didn't want to like get blood on their hands or like it was a sin or something. I don't remember the justification. So they would send them back in time. And so it's their romance. But this girl was so annoying. And I don't want to be like the guy that's, you know, like, oh, teenage girls are so annoying. This girl in particular was so annoying. She was, she had a boyfriend at the beginning of the story, but he was like, it was hard to describe why she didn't like him because there wasn't a good reason. She just didn't like him. 
and she tried to justify it, which is fine if you don't like someone. But she tr also kind of treated him awful, awfully and did him dirty. She kind of just was like, I don't like him. He's too, like, eager, I guess. Like, she, he liked her too much, and it, she didn't like that. I mean, I feel that, but... <laughs> yeah, which also... is fair. It's totally fair. You can like anybody you, you want. But she just strung him along. That's the part that's awful. She just didn't tell him, like, hey, like, we're done. I don't like you. This isn't working So out. she just strung him along. She wasn't interested. Anyway, the romance itself was... They were not good for each other because this Italian guy was, like, so thoughtful and so interesting and, like, brooding, you know? <laughs> and she was none of those things and also a blank slate. And... I'm not a woman or into dudes, so obviously I'm not going to project on her very well, which I'm sure was the purpose. So I'm not going to say it was a bad book. I'm going to say I very much didn't like it. Maybe you just <laughs> weren't the target audience. I definitely wasn't the target audience, but I feel like I am I can at least appreciate if it's good, even if it's not for me. But yeah, that's a bad romance I've read. I also read a lot of classic romances. Um, recently, I reread... Pride and Prejudice, classic. Hmm. I love Pride and Prejudice. And I also read Jane Eyre, which is a romance. Um, also English. Also a few hundred years old. I'm not actually sure on the specifics. I liked that one a little bit less. I liked it more. I liked the ending less because they ended up together. Which gets into... <laughs> okay. Even... even <laughs> Even in romance books, explicitly romance books, I just want them to be friends. Okay, just just the way you said that, it just like triggered me, and because I immediately thought about the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games, but in the Hunger Games, it's good because the romance is forced, and that's like, it's like aware that it's forced, right? Yes, but at the same time, like, I don't see any. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me why she chose PETA in the end. Yeah. I, I Like, don't know. if anything, it almost feels like PETA just guilt tripped her into it. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> just the him. first book was so good. Okay, the, yeah, the like first it's book. Self aware, right? Good. It's like showing, yeah. hey, this is manufactured romance for views, just... which, you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. You force your characters into relationships yeah. because it'll make your fans happy. It was just the way you said, like, they ended up together that that <laughs> triggered that memory in me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I read the whole Hunger Games series. I like it. Yes. But I hate Mockingjay so much. Really? Mockingjay is the one case where, like, I actually liked the movie better than the book. Interesting. The movie just felt like... <sighs> like it did, have... it did more justice to the characters, honestly. Yeah. I feel like, except Katniss. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like a lot of very specific things about Hunger Games. Overall, I think it's a really good series, and I really yeah. enjoyed it. Overall, but there's like a few things it does that I really, really like. Like I think the revolution in Hunger Games is one of the best revolutions in a book I've ever read, just because she's like she's a figurehead and she's so uninvolved in the revolution which yeah. you're like how is that make it good it's because revolution is so much bigger than one person 
that I thought it was really cool that she's just like caught up in this wave. She almost like she re recognizes that she's fighting for a good cause, but also you know there's different factions going on and there's like different, not necessarily different factions going on, but like she recognizes that just because she's opposing something bad doesn't mean her side is good, like the the leaders of the rebellion or whatever it's called are yeah. also not good people, and she kind of recognizes that. You're right. It does do a good job in showing that. Like, revolution, like, sure, it may be a physical act a lot of the time, but yeah. that is a very political thing. Yeah, it's an ideological war almost as much as it is a, like, physical war. You have to win people's minds over before they're ever going to contribute their bodies to the cause. And it really, it kind of dives into that, which a lot of revolutions, it's, you know, we kill the bad guy and everything is perfect afterwards, which is another thing that a lot of stories do that annoy me is there's no reconstruction after giant political turmoil, which I am guilty of doing in the book I am most interested in uh, talking about, which um, there's going to be an episode on it eventually. Also, I mentioned it in the first story. but in the first episode? The first episode. <laughs> the first story. The first story. <laughs> yeah. These are all stories, the very not first episodes. Back to the Epic of Gilgamesh. <laughs> Or actually, you could say the Bible. If... <laughs> it depends on if you're a creationist or not. <laughs> but, um, where was I going? Oh, I'm guilty of, like, oh, we just have to kill the evil king, right? That'll make everything better. And since then, I've learned better, so I've thought, oh, what well, happens after? And that's a really interesting story that I also want to tell. So instead of making, it gave me second thought of, like, is that really a good story to tell? And I think it is still a good story to tell. I just think there's also more good story to tell after, which would probably be have to be a second book because I really like the ending of them, you know, killing the big bad guy. Yeah. Not to pat my own back here, but uh, <laughs> you literally just like described like, you know, one of two of the stories I'm going to write someday. Yeah. I mean, I've, my revolution civil war thing you know a lot less political a lot more war yeah confrontational yep um but don't get me wrong they definitely try to go every way they can but you're right like i asked myself that same question at the after the fact i was like what does happen after this and like i had already created the entire first story yes when before I even asked Which myself is that question. Which just a big war. <laughs> yeah, it's much. pretty much just a big war, and my entire like motivation for writing it or whatever is the characters themselves, the people yes. involved in it. Super important. But then the second story, oh man, like I, I feel like I'm getting into territory I am very much not familiar with, especially because yep. it starts to get a lot more political and... Yep. And it starts, <laughs> so politic, politics, like society, um, uh, and, a society all right, you know what, screw it, this is early bird spoilers, <laughs> I'm going to start saying things. Long story short, um, main character of first book kills antagonist of, all three antagonists, primary antagonists of first book. One of those antagonists' son is the main character of the next book. Very related. 
Yes, very related. And so, like... And he had... So, effectively, he had to grow up for, like, half his childhood without his dad. Mm-hmm. Because his dad was killed Got in killed combat. In war. Yeah. And... But, ultimately, he ends up, after meeting the person that is more or less responsible for his dad's death, um, after meeting her, like, he... They managed to reconcile things, and he ends up becoming her, like, apprentice because she's effectively leading a a revolution of her own, except she's doing it the way she wanted it done in the first place, yes. which is win the hearts of the people, not the bodies. <laughs> nice. I'm so, just thinking, you yeah. say you don't know history that much, but that's kind of how it works, is if you want... A big change, you gotta. Most of the time, it happens in little changes over time. Mm-hmm. Like if you want a big reform, you gotta accept little, small reforms that regular people are more likely to accept. So that's just how it works. Yeah, Parakeen was a little too ambitious for. A little too ambitious. But you know, ultimately, he had the like right heart. <laughs> yeah. Right intentions, but as I said earlier, road to hell is paved with good intentions. Paved, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, just something, a oh, real quick thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so, ex- pretty quick. I'm so excited Probably. to write that because like, uh, like, I think you were the first one to point it out that there's not inherently a good side to that war initially because the way you put it, it's effectively like to put it in real world comparison it's what would happen if Martin Luther King decided to oppose Malcolm X. Yeah. They were, yeah. They're not, there's not, in in this situation, there's not a greater evil like, you know, the Jim Crow South, Jim Crow I mean, America, it, for them to fight well, they're kind together. Of uh, well, I mean, yeah. in this after part, where now they're fighting each other, yeah. the threat's been eliminate, eliminated, in air quotes, because it's, audio only i did air quotes <laughs> around eliminated yeah. but yeah it's like different ideologies different ways of doing a thing but now they're fighting each other yeah they're both working towards the same thing but um <laughs> i'm like so conflicted <laughs> about how much i actually want to say yeah. it'll have its own episode yeah it'll get okay. to it eventually well let's just say that um, the Martin Luther King of the story has a very good reason for the w- one and only reason for opposing the Malcolm X of the story. Dun dun dun. I actually don't remember what you're talking about, and I definitely don't remember saying that. But I sound very smart, so I'm gonna take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it was a while ago. You, you said it just because, like we we just said. They both believe in the same thing. Ah, okay. But yeah, that's it's just that she knows she has to stop him in order for that to be achieved. Oh, okay, okay. It's, I'm still, I'm foggy on your story details. That's okay. There's a lot. <laughs> I, I have literally rammed so much information <laughs> yeah. into your head. I remember <laughs> enough that I can feel good about myself as a friend. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, oh, the pilot guy. <laughs> yeah. the, wait, what? That's the dad that dies, right? The pilot guy? The 
pilot guy? Like the super good pilot? Oh, never mind. No, never mind. You're ignore an entirely. <laughs> ignore everything story. I'm saying. I was thinking about that earlier. Ignore everything I'm saying. I'm, I'm I, in know, fantasy I know. I know. Right I know. Now. I know what you're talking about. I can see how you were confused. Because <laughs> it's all big wars. Ah uh, yes. I actually, you know, that's so funny because I never intended for things to be like large scale conflict. Um. You know, as I'm writing, because I tend to focus on the people a lot more, which brings it down to a much more individual level. Yes. And as I've, like, further developed story ideas, you can see that. Like, if you just took a timeline of, like, when I started each story in my own head, you would see it gets, like, the scale gets smaller and smaller and just a lot more personal as it goes. To the point, like, I'm pretty sure... Visser is yes is the one that's it gets what I'm down thinking. to. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I love it so much. I just yeah. love how confused anyone who's listening <laughs> is gonna be about stuff like yeah. this. And I'm doing the opposite with my, you know, the book I actually wrote, the fantasy one, mm-hmm. where I the scale gets bigger and bigger, which was or it doesn't even get bigger and bigger. It starts big, and then it gets small, and then it gets very small. And then it gets literal world ending big. And I just, that's just part of the, I just thought it was fun to do. Like each of the four protagonists has to deal with a different level of threat. And they're all equally to, tailored by me to make them suffer as much as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, that's crap. I forgot what example I was thinking of earlier, but that was something else I love. Um, that when books can do it correctly is obviously so there's a thing known as power creep which i don't think either of us are a fan of um uh not really which if you don't know basically means that the power start the power level of characters and or organizations whatever in a story starts getting so ridiculously high that you just can't even like comprehend it anymore and it starts to lose meaning yeah think dragon ball z right yeah where (laughs) just keep screaming it's all good yeah they have to keep adding new layers to the saiyan powers or i i don't watch dragon ball z but you know it's a big cultural icon so i'm aware of kind of how it works Mm -hmm. but yeah power creep it's also a thing in card games which sucks it's how they make money that's where it originated is you need to make they're a reason to buy the new decks of cards that come out with. Oh, so you, make them more you said powerful. card games, and I'm like, I don't see how poker... <laughs> Go fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, where I was going with that is... I, uh, man, I'm so mad that I can't remember what example I was thinking of now. But it's like, the first story, you know, it's kind of like the same path you were going on. The first story was a large-scale conflict... And it's, it was cool and all. But then the second story, it's so much smaller, but it feels so personal. Yes. That it's, you know, it's just, you feel the stakes. Yes. So hard. It's the Spoilers Podcast. We're talking about our own stuff. I'm going to get into it. Do it. The first book that I've written, um, the primary antagonist is like an intergalactic demon, essentially, is how I would describe it. And it's really powerful. It's basically impossible to kill. It's 
it's powerful in that it's impossible to kill. It's confused, right? It's a threat, but it's not like a life and it's perceived as a life ending threat, but it's not really. And they kind of learn more about it as the story progresses. The second story, the, the antagonist is basically a thief and there's no really there's nothing like grand wide scale they travel around a lot but it's because they're trying to hunt this lady down and it's much more familial because the reason they're trying to find this lady is because one of the characters thinks that they are related and she wants to reconnect to find out more about her roots and her family and the reason she's an antagonist is because she uses that familial bond when she finds out to manipulate the protagonist and it's just much more intimate and it's a much more emotional character than in the first story and then in the third story it gets even smaller scale or not necessarily it stays about the same of this personal conflict but the real villain of the series is the father figure who starts off as this beloved benevolent guy everyone loves him obviously they're all kids at the beginning of the book and they love him and he's got a messed up past he's immortal he has a hard time connecting with people and he starts to use his children as kind of like weapons almost unintentionally he's not a bad person with bad intentions he's just so far gone that he manipulates and uses his own children as weapons because he's convinced that he has to save the world and that he's the only one who can do it because he's done it before and so he, that whole him being the villain kind of culminates in this third book where he's his son is the one most hung up about their father kind of abandoning them multiple times and using them they've kind of figured it out by now over the course of the previous two books that he's not as perfect as they all thought when they were younger. They're older now. They're adults now. I mean, Some I think them... we all find that out about our dads. <laughs> yes, <point>. everyone <laughs> finds that it's a real thing about find out your parents aren't perfect. This is just turned up a little bit. <laughs> like more a little than bit that. like higher um, stakes, bigger scale. <laughs> he's been using us as weapons in his against his dreams, essentially. Anyway, and that that one's. I'll, I'll get more into it when I talk about that series as a whole. But that one's rough. And then the last book, that's kind of been resolved, but since it's a new character, she also has some baggage about that. And it goes back to the whole intergalactic demon thing. She's fighting to save the entire planet from, like, the head demon, essentially. Which was, like, her objective i guess given to her by her father she was kind of almost crafted very specifically even more than her other siblings to fulfill this one goal of saving the world and she has to deal with she's a very unique character in my mind she's one of my favorite characters i've ever thought of probably my favorite is annabelle by the way yeah i know yeah you, I, I figured you knew but she all four of them, and that story especially, are different parts of me, which I, I don't know if it's inevitable. It feels inevitable for me as a writer because I'm still trying to figure myself out and figure everything out. 
but she especially is just the parts of me that I like the most. It's like she's kind of taken out and then extrapolated to have her own personality. So she's not just me. But she's got to deal with her own personal stuff and then save the entire planet from basically, in terms of the power scale, an all-powerful deity. Like, it's not power creep, it's power rocket ship to the moon <laughs> in terms of how fast it spikes which i i'm excited to get to it's not gonna be for a while but i've got it that's the one i've written the first book i've thought about the middle two but this is the one i've thought about almost as much as i thought about the first book before mm -hmm. i started yeah and it's definitely my motivator to get to the end because i'm excited to kind of go through with it all right, now I've got two things to say based off of all that. Um, <laughs> yeah. One, the father figure he's talking about. Let's just put it this way. He told me the entire plot of everything that he had up to that point once upon a time. And by the time he wrote it down, he, he like literally managed to make that father figure like so perfectly in the way he described it that I forgot that father figure was supposed <laughs> to be the villain. <laughs> yeah. When I started reading, I was like... <laughs> I, I straight up forgot. Yep. Um, and then the other thing, like, yeah, I, I do think it's um, unavoidable that every, uh, nearly every character we ever make is going to be some piece of ourselves. Um which really scares me considering people like number 13. Um, <laughs> but a yeah. small piece but, <laughs> subconscious piece. piece we're not acting on any of oh, these pieces yeah. uh, it reminds me of something I said on a live stream on Christmas um, but we're not going to go there right now <laughs> um, but yeah like I don't know that's one of the most interesting things to me is like creating a character and then going back in the future and seeing, like, how much of you it is. Yeah. Or how much it's changed, honestly. Yeah. Characters always change, which is, I think, perfect because they're growing. Mm-hmm. And you want it to kind of feel like they're... I don't know. I feel like as my characters change, they become less of an archetype, which is important. Yes, that is very important to me as well. Like, um... Okay, going back to another story I had. So, some quick context in this sense. Like, a lot of my story ideas, I, I've once said that they all stem from daydreams. That's, I guess the plot always stems from daydreams, but a lot of times the initial inspiration, just like the brief spark of imagination, often stems from music for me. That's never the case for me. <laughs> like, I will just hear one line in a song, and I'm like, that's the one. That's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> and I've done that with at least two characters who then had an entire story developed around them. Um, and neither of them is either the main or viewpoint character. <laughs> yeah. I, I seem to have a weird um, habit of doing that. If I develop a story around a character, they will not be the viewpoint character. <laughs> interesting um where was i going with that oh yeah but <clears throat> i have one character who 
I'll just like come out and say this. I was listening to Breaking the Habit by Linkin Park. And, okay. And there is one line in there. Like, there are multiple lines this could have worked for, but the the one that caught my attention was, I don't want to be the one the battles always choose. And in my head, that immediately sparked an image of... Um, I've talked about Vanadrin before. And yes. <laughs> so that's an instinctively where my mind went. But, like, that sparked an image of a battle, like an old battle-worn Vanadrin who just like wants to settle down and live a peaceful life and he has for years until large scale conflict forces him to defend his everything he loves again. Yep. And boy did he change because this is the the elites, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, he's number 2, right? He's he's number 1. Number 1. He's E1. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out if I actually want to call them elites or not. I've been playing with the term like valiant, maybe, but no, <laughs> it works better with their language for one. That's but, true. Um, anyway, but yeah, so he, the image of him went from being like that battle-worn hero who reluctantly defends his, well, not reluctantly, like he wholeheartedly defends everything he loves. Not but his first choice. Yeah, but he's not happy about it. He, but he then evolved into, over time, um, a just straight-up pacifist turned into a killer who effectively just lives under the thumb of authority. Man, we're always going to corrupt the pacifists. <laughs> <laughs> I need to write a book about a pacifist. And this was before I ever read an ordinary. <laughs> oh! Oh! He's predicting the future now. I should have a pacifist character. I think that would be a lot of fun. I mean, I remember. I remember you told me once about a character you had that was the opposite, you know. I, I, I remember this conversation we had. You were like, the killer turned pacifist trope is like a little overdone and it's not as cool yeah so you were like really fascinated when i went the other way pacifist turned killer yeah and but like you still had that pacifist character i don't remember i had killer name, turned but... pacifist as well or no i yeah no not as well i had one it was vano that's his name i was he's... like it starts with a v i'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. i remember now i like him he's gonna be fun i think i might yank him out of that story and put him in something in something else because I don't think he can shine, or I don't think I could do him well because he's not like a main character in that story as I have it currently, and I kind of want to give him a little more attention because he's a little more interesting to me now than when I thought up him, thought him up, uh, thought up him, thought up him. <sighs> yep. All right. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good place to wind down. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, we were already over the last episode length. <laughs> I mean, we could keep going, but... We could. It's our own podcast. But we can just have another Things We Like and Don't Like episode. You're later. right. I'm just we barely got into time now. <laughs> we barely got into characters at all. Yeah, okay, like... Well, okay, just uh, just real quick disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. This is called the early bird spoilers because we are going to spoil our own stories. Yes, and, and others. anything else <laughs> we want. Um, but... I'm just going to make this clear to everyone. I'm not refraining from detail, just so you don't get all the spoils. 
I'm refraining from detail because the moment I start giving you names of characters and stuff, <laughs> I am going to go off the freaking rails yes. into a six-hour rant. Yeah, and if we're refraining from details, it's also because we're planning on having an episode for each of our works that we've got planned out, right? Yeah. So we'll we'll still go on tangents talking about the works, but we're going to try and keep those a little more focused of... This is what happens, and we just don't want to repeat ourselves that yes. much. So you don't want I, to listen to that. I promise you, at some point, I will explain the names Visser, number 13, <laughs> E1, um, Parakeen, I mentioned his name too. Yes. <laughs> and then you can come back and you can say, I get the reference. <laughs> I understood that reference. I understood that reference. <laughs> Captain America. Exactly. <laughs> or the, my favorite one's the... Oh, I can't even remember his name now. The super, the, the hot guy that's in Titanic. The hot, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio, him pointing. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, when he's point. like in like the wife beater and the <laughs> yeah. cigarette in his hand. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's one of my favorite memes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, we should probably stop this before we, I don't know, implode the universe or something. Yeah, it's very important <laughs> that, yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a phoenix, okay? Like I hold much more power than you think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Then again, we're also known to be wise creatures, and I am not that. <laughs> There's different kinds of wisdom. <laughs> Street smart. No, I'm not, not even that. Not that either. I'm not that. Anyway, thank you, everybody. If for anyone listening. needs to know a lot about Warframe, however, hit me up. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Right. Um, chill your, chill your channel. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Goodbye. Uh, we need an outro.